0: Welcome to First Love Online Church with Nyrill and O.C. Burnett. Flock is a ministry of First Love Fellowship whose mission is to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can support the mission of First Love Fellowship by texting 918-300-4680 or by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. And now, prepare your hearts as Pastor Niral begins to speak on the topic of governing desire. Fuels and does. So, when you have a devotion in life, what, what, let's define it before we go on. right? Devotion has to do with prayer and fasting and, and the study of the scriptures and the meditation on a word as a lifestyle. It's something that you do every day. See, see what we do every day is actually those small things we do every day are the things that actually build us up and make us stronger. The small things we do every day enable us to live the lifestyle that God's called us to. And I realize that one of the things that we miss very often is that we we know how to have a devotional life, but oftentimes we fail to be consistent. So as a result, we don't really advance. It's like studying for school. Like if you're not consistent, you're not really going to know the material. But if you're consistent, you will learn it. The same thing with learning a language. If if you're trying to learn a language, you can't learn a language in your spare time. You have to be committed to learning that language on a consistent basis. It is no different with a devotional life. And if we want to see the advantage and the benefit that a devotional life gives, it must be consistent. You don't get strong by eating spinach once a year, right, or even once a month. With a devotional life, it doesn't help to do it only every once in a while. It has to be done all the time as a lifestyle. And if you make that devotional life your, your lifestyle, there are three things that we pointed out that happen. Number one, your devotional life inspires direction. And we've spoken about this in past past messages. Also, though, like we spoke of last week, it fuels diligence. And so, like the scripture says, he becomes poor who deals with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. Like God does something when we're diligent. He does something when we actually put the work in. A lot of times we we expect God to do something, but we just simply haven't done the work necessary to see anything happen. And so God blesses diligence. Also, finally, a devotional life governs desire. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's the matter of desire. And so really quickly, I want to turn to Luke chapter 22. This is what Jesus says in a garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. He says, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So he's saying here, listen, uh, you know, not my will. So when I read the scripture, it, it kind of gives me pause, though, because I wonder, well, what would Jesus have possibly not wanted to do? Like this is Jesus Christ walking the earth. What would Jesus not want to do in relation to his father? Because John 1030 even tells us, I and my father are one, right? Jesus only does what the father commands, but he hears the father say and do. So what could possibly be something that Jesus would not want to do? And so clearly the thing that he was would not have wanted to do even but for a moment was to be separated from the father. When he read in the scriptures on the when he's on the cross, what does he say when he's on that cross? He says, "Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me?" That Psalm chapter, uh, Psalm chapter twenty-two. And so, so there, there's no, there's no uh, uh, the separation that Jesus experienced from God was agonizing, but he did that on our behalf. He did that so that we could actually be be free. And so when we when we consider that Jesus had to grapple with the will of God himself we have to we have to consider what that looks like for us like when we talk about desire what should that look like how should that how should that look in a life of a Christian to say well my my desire now must be governed by God and so this morning I want to talk about that some. See, there's certain promises that are made in scripture that we that I want to pay attention to like like Mark chapter 11, 24. I believe it says, "What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it." Could you imagine? That is like a limitless promise. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive it and you shall have it how about this one john chapter 14 13 it says this and i will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son if you ask me for anything in my name i will do it well at face value that is a limitless promise but what does that mean because i have a lot of things i want to ask god for i have a lot of desires that i have Maybe in my own carnality, I'll say, you know, hey, listen, I want a million dollars in my bank account this afternoon. And based on the scripture, it says that you'll you'll do whatever I ask in your name, Lord. He says, if you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. That's what he said. So I want a million dollars in my bank account this afternoon. See, listen, it'd be nice if it did happen. But honestly... That's not what the scripture is telling us. When Jesus says this in John chapter 14, 13, he makes a specific uh, demarcation as to how this is to come about. He says, I will do whatever you ask in my name. Meaning it has to be something, our desire has to be something that can be backed up by God himself, that would be backed up by the name of Jesus. And then he says, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So our desires and the things that we pray about, our devotional life should govern those desires. And they're governed by this thing here, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. He goes on now, if you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. Therefore, our desires ought to be governed by the holiness of God. If we want to see prayers answered in our devotional life, then our desires in our prayers, just like it says here, what things soever you desire when you pray, desire, when you pray, Mark 11, desire, when you pray, like, The prayer part needs to be there. We can't just be Christians who want. There has to be a prayer component that's associated with our desires. But when we do desire, when we pray, it must be backed up by the will of the kingdom. It must be backed up by the agenda of the kingdom. And perhaps my having a million dollars in my bank account is not backed up by the agenda of the kingdom today. And that's okay. But my desires have to be built on and and governed by the holiness of almighty God. Desire must be governed. It doesn't matter what you're praying for, what you're hoping for. It could be a new job, then it must be governed by God's agenda, the agenda of a holy God. It could be a spouse, but it must be governed by the agenda of a holy God your desires may be some type of some type of a relationship or 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 financial or or a health goal whatever it may be it must be governed by the holiness of almighty god he says this in leviticus in fact i'll tell you what he says this in several places in scripture he says in leviticus 11:45 he says for i am the lord who brought you up from the land of egypt to be your god thus you shall be holy for i am holy. God makes this statement several times throughout scripture. It's also quoted again in the New Testament, be holy as I am holy. Remember, he did not say to do holy. He said to be holy. See, sometimes we get caught up in this idea of keeping the rules and doing holy, but holiness ought to be a part of our very identity. It ought to be a part of, exact, uh, of who we are in our everyday lives. So everything we do must be governed by God's holiness, and he's given us his Holy Spirit in order to walk this out. We're not walking alone. So he doesn't say do holy, he says to be holy. And holiness, just to give a, a definition, it speaks of the idea of separating ourselves from this world and whatever this world is about. Remember, the scripture tells us in 1 John, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, for all that's in the world is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And it it says, "Don't, don't love the world. It says, he that loves the world, that the love of the Father is not in him. That is like, what? How could God say that? And yet he does right there in Scripture. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. So when I speak of holiness, it's not just about, about keeping rules. There is a certain level of urgency that we have to have about this. That, listen, we have to demonstrate that the love of the Father is in us by separating ourselves from the world. And this is holiness defined. Holiness, the Scripture says, without which no man will see the Lord. Holiness. Like, like And it's not just separating ourselves from the world. Remember, it's also separating yourselves to something. Because when you're leaving something, for example, the world, you ought to be going to something. And in this case, holiness is leaving the world and the influence of the world and going towards God and the influence of God and his holiness. Because our desires are governed by that. Now, having a devotional life actually fuels this ability because God sends his Holy Spirit, which gives us the ability to do what he is saying. You are not on your own when it comes to being holy. You are not on your own when it comes to walking a straight and narrow, but it depends on a solid devotional life. And again, that devotional life consists of prayer, it consists of fasting. It consists of Bible study and also meditation on the word. What this means also is that every every day you and I ought to be growing in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every day we should have gone into that Bible. Every day we should have studied. Every day we should have spent time communing with Almighty God in heaven. And one of the reasons why so many Christians fall away is because we neglect this area. And because we don't study our word, because we don't meditate on the word, because we don't pray, because we don't fast, we fall. And we fall without really knowing it. We can fall without realizing it. We're slowly but surely we're headed in the opposite direction of where God wants us to be. We're headed in the opposite direction of the closeness that we ought to have with God. And all of a sudden, you realize that at a moment you need strength, at a moment you need to hear from God, you can't find him. Because slowly but surely, you've walked away. Now, remember, this is not about your own holiness. If you look at Acts chapter 3, verse 12, it says here, And when Peter saw saw it, he answered the people. He says, You men of Israel, why marvel at this that he had just healed someone he had just healed someone at gate beautiful this is acts chapter three he says why are you marveling at this or why do you look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we've made this man to walk see it is not by your own holiness it's not your ability that does anything for god and we have to be very careful about this because entire movements have been made based on how holy a person can make themselves appear to be on the outside. And that's where we get the whole idea of observing certain days or wearing certain clothings or abstaining from certain foods and so on, because there's a demand that you are are holy on the outside. But I remember Jesus saying this. He says, he says, you are like whitened graves, like like you're pretty on the outside, but on the inside you're full of dead men's bones. And he was talking to the Pharisees Pharisees in that day, who were some of the holiest people you could have imagined. On the outward, they were holy, but on the inside, they were corrupt. Our devotional life ought to be dealing with our inside. It ought to be cleansing us from within. We don't want to make the mistake of presenting to the world a Christianity that looks fantastic on the outside, but on the inside we're full of death. On the inside we're full of gossip. On the inside we're full of rage and bitterness and hatred. Our own holiness only leads to corruption. But God's holiness goes beyond the outer influence. And it goes deep within. That's why Matthew chapter 5 tells us, blessed are the pure in heart. See, outward expressions of holiness will not cause you to see God. It's what's expressed on the inside. Could you imagine? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I, I, I can't stress this enough that for any Christian believer, the goal ought to be that to see him to be in his presence to know him imagine the most the most profound experience with god you've ever had In your time of devotion or worship or maybe even a church service, imagine being able to experience that every single day. Well, having a strong devotional life, when you do this consistently, that's what you get to experience. God will visit you as you visit God. The scripture says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. So it's not about your holiness. It's about allowing the holiness of God to purify your heart so that you can see him. Let's read another scripture here. It says here, uh, Romans chapter 619. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members, servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, your bodies is what it's talking about, your your body parts. Yield your body parts as servants to righteousness unto holiness. So see, there is this thing that God gives us that enables us to yield our bodies unto holiness. And I want to say to the saints, listen, holiness is possible. I know we always say, listen, this is a rough walk and and I sin every day and we all stumble and fall. But holiness is possible. Holiness is not some impossible thing in a scripture that God cannot do inside of you. No, holiness, what it means is that you can live a life of holiness. I remember John Wesley talking about the idea of entire sanctification. That that's the goal of the Christian life, right? Like we, we, we start off in our Christian life with that, that pervenient grace, which draws us to God, unto, unto uh, conversion. But all of that leads to the, that process of sanctification that leads us to entire sanctification. And that entire sanctification is where you have zero influence of the world. And you are only influenced by the Holy Spirit. This ought to be the goal of every Christian, entire sanctification, that we would be sanctified entirely, body, spirit, and soul, completely yielded to God. See, these are people who see him. And our occasional prayer life is not going to get us there. Our occasional devotional life is not going to get there. Maybe we fast or, or do dieting once a year at around January when a, when, a, when a new year starts. Everybody goes on a on a Daniel fast. And in reality, I mean, if you're talking more about how much weight you've lost than your experience with God, you're not really on a fast, you're on a diet. Also... Our occasional prayers, I mean, maybe a little bit before we go to sleep at night, you know, we give God the saddest, most tired hours or, or, or minutes of our day, the time we're falling asleep. And, and if that's the limit of your prayer life, I'm not sure how you're going to get to entire sanctification. You know, even our study of the word, like I said earlier, we ought to be getting more and more uh, knowledgeable of the word of God every day. Every day we should be becoming more and more uh, uh, powerful in this word. But what happens? We get busy. We get distracted. This world influences us away from God, and it's designed to do so. To many of our own shame, if we look at at the screen time on our own devices to see how much time we spend on our devices versus how much time we spend in prayer, we'll realize it. We'll see it that we're literally being distracted away from seeing God and the world has designed itself to be exactly that, a distraction. All right, so 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse one says this, having therefore these promises. So there are promises then associated with living holy. It says, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. There it is. Read the scripture carefully. Can holiness be perfected in the life of a believer? Yes. Yes, it can. If we allow our devotional life to govern our desire, yes, it can. What things soever you desire when you pray? Who? A holy person. A person who's walking holy. That holy person desires look different from the carnal man's desires it's completely different a holy person desires they're not like everybody else a holy person stands out even amongst the brethren a person living holy that's the person you want praying for you that's the person you want praying with you that holy person because they're spending time communing with god and a holy person doesn't mean that they're just charismatic in their in their expression Sometimes we think that a person that is hyper gifted is the person we want to pray. No, you want the holy person and you want to be that holy person. See, we say it all the time, right? Most Christians aren't really spiritual. They just want to be perceived as spiritual. Right. And so there's a lot of people who are very expressive in their gifting and their volume when they pray. All those things that Jesus said, watch these people. Right. Watch out for the people who pray aloud on the street corners. And he said, watch out for that. Because that's not holiness. Holiness. It's, it's an internal matter. It's when you yield your members, your, your, your flesh and your spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Holiness is not an outward expression. But man, oh man, when you find someone who is actually walking out the holiness of God, man, you, you want to pray with that person. Because they've, already, they've probably already seen the Lord that day. They've probably already been with the Lord that day. Um, I was listening to Corrie Ten Boom earlier this, well, super early this morning, um, listening to her give a message. And, uh, you know, Corrie Ten Boom, she was a, a Dutch um, watchmaker. Her family was a family of watchmakers, and she was captured by the Nazis for hiding Jews during World War II. And so of course the family got arrested her sister actually died in prison and she saw her sister die and how horrible they were treated how horribly they were betrayed and someone asked well how did you how did you find it in you to forgive and she could only give glory to God for the ability to forgive because the depth of her, her devotional life and her communion with God enabled her to forgive the Nazis that were responsible for the capture of her family, the death of her sister, and, and, and everyone her age in her sphere of influence was killed by the Nazis. Later on, she met the person that betrayed her. And it was one of the, the Nazi officers that was, that was holding her captive. She met him later on because he survived the war, and so did she. And she was able to stand in front of him. At first, he says, the Nazi comes up to her after the war is over, and he's like, ma'am, could you please forgive me? And, and Cory ten Boom, she walks away, and she's in tears because at the moment, she could not forgive him. She was so angry. She was so bitter, and she was doing the work of God and ministry and everything. And then she came back and Holy Spirit dealt with her and she was able to, to forgive and the man just broke down. And he had become a Christian since, since then, a believer since then. But see, it's only the power of a devotional life that can cause a person to forgive at that level, at such of a holy level, at such of a powerful level. I can guarantee you if we're still holding on, if we're still holding on to things in our lives against other people. If we're still holding on to bitterness and anger and all those different things, it's probably because we need to get more time with God, more time in our devotional life. Because when you're in the presence of an almighty God, it ought to be like Isaiah, right? When Isaiah was in the presence of a holy God in the year Uzziah died, he says, I saw the Lord, right? Isaiah didn't say that when a train filled the temple and the glory of the Lord filled the place that he began talking about other people. No, he didn't begin talking about other people. When Isaiah saw the glory of the Lord, he said, woe is me. No one else was the issue anymore. Because when you're in the presence of a holy God, when you're exposed to his holiness and his perfection, all of a sudden now, woe is me is the issue. Like, Lord, purify me, cleanse me. And then the angel comes with a coal and cleanses his lips, and God gives him that commission to prophesy. But that that whole prophetic ministry began with the glory of the Lord and a man saying, woe is me. Far too many of us as Christians, we have a life where we say, woe are they. Woe is he. Woe is she. But we have to turn this back to our own self and work out our own salvation with fear and trembling understanding that when you're in the presence of a holy God who is governing your desires, then we can't be concerned with other people. We won't want to be. But if you want to get there, you must have a consistent devotional life. First Thessalonians 3.13 says this, To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God. Listen to that. So can our hearts be unblameable in holiness before God? 1 Thessalonians 3.13. Yes. Yes, they can. Again, holiness is possible. Even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. See, there is a holiness that we walk in that God enables us to walk out. And we, 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 this is how we live our everyday lives, in holiness. And then there's a holiness that God imposes upon us, making us holy. So we can walk out the holy life like we are, we've been made holy, and then we're walking out the holiness. So God does this thing like we are both sanctified by God and we are being sanctified. So holiness is not just a goal. It's a journey in God and i would like for us to begin to take this journey with god unto holiness let's 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 move forward with the intention on doing this every single day that's my admonishment to the church now in our day where everybody wants to be happy um you you see it in marriage where a married couple will say, you know what, we, you know, sometimes when people are on a verge of divorce, you'll hear one of them say, you know, well, I'm just not happy anymore. Or you get a job and a job is a, a good job, but, you know, you're just not happy there. You know, that's a thing, right? I quit the job because I just wasn't happy. Right. Or, you know, it, it could be any any number of things we do. It could be marriage. It could be the job. It can be a, 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 you know, some a church. My goodness, that's huge. Right. Like a person will say, well, I've been going to this church for a while. I'm just not happy. And so we talk about we 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 exalt this idea of a happiness. But happy is a fleeting goal that no one that, that, that no one can cross with with any sense of, of permanence. Happy is not permanent. Listen, if you're you're married, if you have children, if you have a job, you know there are some days you're happy. There are some days you are not happy. We can't put happiness at the forefront and governing factor of everything we do. But there is something that will need to be determined whether or not you hold on to a decision. Faithfulness. We have to look and see what kind of person we're going to be. Are we going to be faithful or are we going to be happy? Because faithfulness will offer a reward that happiness cannot deliver. So, in, in in your marriage, for example, you have to determine if you're going to be happy or if you're going to determine if you're going to be faithful. Is this marriage worth faithfulness at your job? It's the same thing, right? So, yeah, you may not be happy there, but are you being faithful to the reason why God has has sent you there? Because you may be at a job that you don't like, but God sent you there. Be faithful and he will elevate and bless you in what you're doing. The same is true of church. Church, listen, some people come to church to be happy, but that's a wrong goal. Church should be the platform from which you show your faithfulness unto God. There will come times, first love fellowship, and I know many of you have experienced this already. There will come times that you are just not happy. I am the pastor of the church, and there are days that I am not happy at all. But listen, the faithfulness cannot go away. No, because when you continue to show faithfulness, and this has to do with your devotional life, by the way. This has everything to do with your devotion in life, the ability to be faithful, right? Your desires are governed. They're not fleeting and all over the place. When your desires are governed by the Holy Spirit, you are on that straight and narrow and you're getting things done. Don't worry about being happy. Joy will come. But when you're faithful, you are sowing seeds to the happiness and the joy, really, that, that you're, you're called to walk in. So I'm asking us, listen. If we're going to, if we're going to do this devotional life, let's allow it to do what it was designed to do. It was designed for our desires to be governed. Let's turn really quickly to Matthew. I want to show you something. Matthew chapter 8. we miss out on a lot of things because we decide to abandon the the abandon ship when it comes to faithfulness too early too early we live you know they always say we live in the microwave generation right where everybody wants things right now i know that's kind of an old analogy uh, now it would be like the internet generation do you know it used to be where where if you wanted to really learn something you had to go and to the library, to the card catalog, uh, get, your, get the things you're looking to research, go to the card catalog and find the books you need, and then sit there at the library or check the books out that you need and, and, and actually study real books. Or you get your Encyclopedia Britannica that's at your house, and you pull out each of the topics there, and you study. And what took us in the past three hours to do, a Google search can do now in three seconds. So we don't really understand in our generation what it means to actually do the work towards getting a goal accomplished or actually doing the work long-term to see some, some some results out of what we're doing. We want instant results. So you could have been wrapped up in drug for the past 15 years and want to be free like today. And it could be that there's some things you have to do in order to come off of drugs, and it's going to require discipline and dedication. I mean, listen, you know, we talked about the next seven years. Last week, we talked about it when we, when we were talking about diligence. Like, listen, you could be 850 pounds, but in seven years, you can go down to 150. But there are things you have to do every single day, and there's going to be days you are not going to be happy. But you're not going to come at 850 pounds and expect to be 150 by next week. It's not going to happen unless we start cutting limbs off of you. So w- results require consistent activity every single day. If you're in business, you should know this. You can't do business with a part-time mentality. I don't care if you're you're bivocational in your business. You can't do it with a part-time mentality. Like you have to be consistent every single day. You're getting that job done. It says here. And when he had entered Capernaum, Capernaum, um, uh, Matthew 8 5. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, entreating him, and saying, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering and with great pain. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, I'm only sharing this because I want you to see how God handles our needs. Jesus made a final decision with this centurion. I will come and heal him. It wasn't like he was saying, maybe he wasn't telling him to do a thousand things, but listen to why it says the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy for you to come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Say the word. My servant will be healed. And then he says, for I, too, am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes And to another come and he comes and to my slave do this. And he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who were following, truly, I say unto you, I have not found such great faith with anyone in Israel. Our devotional life should be doing that to our faith. It should be enabling us to ask the big things. I hope you all wrote out your big seven-year goal. I hope you wrote those goals out because, you, you know, don't write small goals and small plans. You've not been put on this earth for a small goal and a small plan. If you're going to live this life, you better do this thing big. You better reach out and ask the Lord, Lord, what is it you would have me to do? And do that because it seemed like in this verse here, Jesus is very decisive towards those who are operating in faith. If your desires are governed by your prayer life and by your de- devotional life, feel free to operate in faith. Understand something. See, faith, faith needs conditions in order to work. And that's really what I want to, you know, with this series, I think we were calling it like faith, trusting God without losing your mind. Right. Well, faith requires conditions in order to work for any of us. There should be direction. There should be diligence. Like if you're lazy, what are you praying about? Why are you trying to operate your faith in something? If you're lazy, like fix laziness and that should be fueled by your prayer life. If you have no direction, then what's the faith all about? No, you need direction. That should be fueled by your prayer life. And if your desires are off, like James said, like, you know, you have not because you ask not because when you ask, you ask amiss that you might spend it on your lust. Like if your desires are off, that's a big problem. So, see, when we have when these things are not together, we don't have the theater by which faith can actually operate. Because faith is not just about getting things and accomplishing things. Very often, faith is about sacrificing. It's about giving. It's about giving life. Have you read Hebrews chapter 11? Hebrews chapter 11 is not just about people getting things. No, their desires were governed by a holy God. What was it about Jesus? I saw one, one instance where, I think it was Isaiah. where it speaks to the idea that he was sawn into what is it about god that makes a person willing to be cut in half or like saint john being fried in hot oil what is it about peter what is it about jesus where when peter was about to be crucified he's like no no don't crucify me like the lord turn me upside down i can't imagine Same thing with Andrew, who was also crucified. What is it about Jesus that made these people do this? Well, they had the conditions under which faith could operate. Their desires were were literally governed by a holy God. And as a result, their faith was so strong that They didn't even have to worry about this world around them. They knew there was a better place, a better world, a greater promise that was waiting for them on the other side of this life. And I would like for us to begin to walk in a kind of faith that does not regard this life. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like, this is what God is looking for. If you want people who are walking in faith, it means that they're willing and able to lay their lives aside. They're allowing their, their, their desires to be governed by a holy God and lay their lives aside. These are the conditions under which faith works. These are the conditions where you see miracles and signs and wonders and healing. It's like in Acts chapter Acts chapter 4 where, where the disciples were being persecuted. And they're like, Lord, give us more boldness to preach your word. And that signs and wonders may be done. Healing signs and wonders may be done through the, the, the name of your holy child, Jesus. Like they, they were told not to preach. And he's like, give us more boldness to do more preaching. Because their desires were not governed even by the laws of their day. Their desires were governed by a holy God. But see, they were going to operate in a type of faith that would get them in trouble and they were okay with that. We are headed into a day, we are in a day right now, where your faith may well get you in trouble. But let's allow our desire to be governed by a holy God. And if we do, we're going to see him do some amazing things through the church, even through First Love Fellowship. First Love Fellowship, listen. We have to come out of this state of, of trying to, you know, spend the next 15 years being delivered. It could be that you don't have a demon. You're just carnal. You're just listening to the demons. You're just listening to the enemy tell you not to pray. You're just listening to the enemy telling you to do other things. And we keep on we keep on figuring out what well, what are we going to do as far as deliverance for this one and deliverance for that one. Listen, if you are a person of prayer who spends their time in the presence of Almighty God, I don't see how a trembling demon can withstand that. I'm asking us we have to get our devotion together and on point. Um, speaking of that, this Tuesday, this Tuesday we will be fasting. And praying, and I want to make sure that that we do this also, not just in Tulsa, but everywhere in Maryland also, that we're fasting and praying this Tuesday. I know people get a little worried because we're headed towards Thanksgiving and and we all have festivities and things. But listen, I want us to make sure that we're sober minded as we go into the holiday season. That we allow the Holy Spirit to govern our desire even now. Um, because there's a lot going on and I'm seeing, I'm noticing that people are, are still going through a lot of different struggles and, and fighting a lot of strongholds. I don't want us to get distracted though, by what's going on in a world right now, uh, with the holiday celebrations. Um, let's, let's pray. I, you know, I, I did post this up on one body, but pray for me personally. Um, spiritual strength personally does not come automatically. And I play by the same rules as everyone else. I have to pray. I have to fast. I have to spend time in the world, the the word, or I will simply go out into the world like anyone else. I'll be drawn by the world just like anyone else. So pray for me. Pray for all First Love Fellowship leaders and their households. Um, we want to see the move of God where where, where we're seeing first love fellowship leaders operating in their gifting, the giftings of the spirit. And, 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 and they do, many of them do. Uh, we just want to see the, an increase there. Um, things are about to shift in first love fellowship and how, and how we do things. So pray about our prayer chapel here in Oklahoma. Um, that's something that we've been praying about and talking about. we want to pray about it some more. And listen, if there's a word of the, from the Lord concerning that by all means, share it. We, We want to hear, um, Remember to pray for Israel. That justice would prevail. Everyone, there are things going down in the world right now. Um, that that oh my goodness, like they there's things happening right now that are significant, and maybe we're not paying much attention to it. Maybe we're paying a lot of attention. I don't know, but listen, be on alert because we have to pray. There's a lot. Pray about this murderous persecution that's rising in the West. I know about the preacher who was shot in the head, uh, who's in critical condition right now, I believe, um, for preaching the gospel. He was standing there in Arizona preaching the gospel and someone just rolls up, shoots him in the head and and, and drives away. Like, that's what we're dealing with now. Uh, so that's why, you know, as we do the work that we do, we have to be very careful to, to make sure that we're praying and that we have intercessory prayer cover. Okay, Um, we don't get back to normal from here. The world around us is changing greatly and we're not headed back toward normal. I know we wish that that could happen, but that's not what's going on. So let's remember that because we're not heading back to normal, uh, we have to be ready for what lies ahead. And we need that devotion in life, time in the word, prayer, fasting, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show us things to come. Let's allow the Holy Spirit, a holy God to govern our desires in this day. Let's allow God to show us what we need to do, the direction we need to go, and let's apply diligence to everything he tells us to do. Because when we do this, we become that strong and fortified believer that can actually make a difference in this lost world today. And we have great promises associated when we have the conditions that are necessary to operate in faith. Let's do this for real. Let's not just fake it and make believe that we're being spiritual when we're not. Let's be spiritual both in public and in private. And let's allow God to do something great through us. Um, I think that's all for today. We have a lot more to talk about as we get into the holiday season. I'm looking forward to what God is going to do as we head into the new year. And um, listen, we have an amazing 2024 coming up for us Love Fellowship. And there's a lot that we're praying about that God is God is putting in our hearts. So let's let's dive into this next year, but let's finish this year. Let's finish this year strong. Amen? All right. So praise God. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that the entrance of your word, of your word brings light, understanding, power. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And so we bless you and we honor you. We give you glory, Lord God. Let your word, Lord, be sealed and permanent in the hearts and minds of everyone who has heard. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to support the mission and giving, a uh, uh, vision of first love fellowship by, by giving, you can do so by going to, uh, first com slash first love fellowship. I know that's a lot. Um, normally you can just go to the website. We are firstlove.com but you can go to firstlove.givingfuel.com. Uh, I believe it's being posted up in the comments we do need like an army of generous givers in these last days of this year because there's a lot going on we're feeding a, a, a you know we're feeding uh many people a big thanksgiving dinner this afternoon right after this this podcast is done we're also going to take to the streets in december and we're going to be doing thanksgiving dinner for the homeless and those who are addicted and living on the streets we've been ministering at the demand project for the survivors of trafficking And many more different things, even in Maryland, where they're going out to do the open-air intercession. There's a lot going on at this time of year. And First Love Fellowship could really uh, use those co-laborers who are willing to give. So you can give on a link that's being provided there. Uh, Give generously, because the Bible says uh, that that he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, and he that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Um, Let us all give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, I think that's all we've got today. So uh, you all be blessed. I love you guys. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we will see you uh, soon with more from the Word of God. So let's continue winning the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. Be blessed. God bless Thank you so much for listening. Your generous support enables us to continue to fulfill our mission to win the church to Christ through unceasing prayer, intentional discipleship, and missional living. You can offer additional financial support by going to our website at wearefirstlove.com. Until we meet again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior always remember your first love he gave himself-